Hey there, my name is Jonathan Galvan, and I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer. Uh, we're so glad that you're tuning in to this sermon, and we pray that this sermon would be an encouragement to you. So please enjoy. Um, if, you're, if you're new, we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and normally this is the, the moment uh, where I explain what the Sermon on the Mount is, that Jesus is preaching to Christians, um, to disciples, um, but I want to back up and give a little bit of a different intro, just so that you know uh, why we preach the way we do, uh, why we do certain things here at Redeemer. Uh, basically, uh, the last few months, uh, I've heard from uh, potentially countless people, a lot of people, uh, as they have come and visited Redeemer, uh, or maybe they've come to Next Steps class, or I've met them during a service, uh, and, and I ask all the time, like, you know, how did you get here? Who invited you? Um, why are you here? And I've heard so many times um, that I'm here because you, and then I'm hoping they say, you're, you know, engaging speaking, you know, all these fun things, like, because you teach the Bible. Uh, and it's kind of sad. It's a sad state of affairs when that's a rare thing in the church, but that's who we are. We are a Bible people. Uh, we love the Bible. We believe the Bible. We preach the Bible. Um, so normally, uh, we will walk through either books of the Bible or large chunks of the Bible, just verse by verse. We just work our way through because we are convinced, uh, convinced we believe, um, that God's Word is the content and the authority that we need. Uh, it's the content. We open up God's Word and allow His Word to speak. Uh, that is a good and a right thing for us to be matured into the image of Jesus. Uh, and so, sometimes we, we do some topics, but even when we preach topics, we uh, pick a text, we open the text up, and we let the Bible speak for itself. Uh, we call this expository preaching. We're exposing what the Bible has to say, and because it's then what the, God has to say through the Bible, it's authoritative and it's helpful and it's wise. You don't need to know what I think. You don't need to know my opinions. I'm not that smart. I'm not that wise. We need to know what God has to say. Uh, and so if, if you have a steady diet of working through uh, big sections of the Bible, normally uh, you're going to, over time, get a very balanced understanding. You're going to get a more robust understanding. As Paul says, you're going to be exposed to the full counsel of God. Uh, if, if, if we go just topical and don't work our way through uh, certain sections or books, you're going to just kind of skip some of the difficult portions. Uh, but if we just are committed to the Bible, we're going to get the easy, we're going to get the hard, we're going to get the good, we're going to get the bad, we're going to get all of it, uh, and that is what we need. And ultimately, we, we use the Bible, but the goal of our time, at least in the Word together, is the gospel. Because you can understand and you can read the Bible and understand it on a mental level and miss the gospel, uh, Pharisees, case in point. Uh, they had memorized books of the Old Testament and rejected Christ. Um, so our goal is, and especially in the Sermon on the Mount, it's the gospel, to appreciate, to love Jesus uh, for who he is. And when you expose the word of God, that's what we get, a picture of Christ. And for what he has done for us in our place. And ultimately, a steady diet of God's word shapes us into the image of Christ. So today, uh, as we get into this section at the very end of chapter 6, uh, this is a sermon, not just God's word, but this is from the very uh, lips and heart of Jesus Christ. He is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and, and, and woe to us, right, if we neglect um, or reject a sermon that was preached, truth that was given to us by truth himself. Y'all remember John 14 where Jesus says, I am the way, what? 
the truth, the life. When the truth that defines truth for all people speaks, we, we, we need to listen. We, we must listen. Uh, it behooves us for the sake of being who God has called us to be, to listen. And so Jesus is teaching today on two things that go together like Siamese twins, money and our hearts. All right, money and our hearts. And most of the time when those words come out of a preacher's mouth, people kind of cringe, whether it's an external cringe, I'm looking for you if you externally cringe, or at least an internal cringe, like, oh, I hate it. I hate it when they preach or talk about money. Listen, Jesus talked about it a lot. Um, And if it's anything that we, being humans, or we being Christians, or we being Christians in Midland uh, need to hear, it's to, to have Jesus rightly teach us about our money and our hearts, and that is what he is going to do uh, today. And you need to know this about Jesus. Uh, he is honest. He tells the truth, and sometimes if, if you're honest, he is brutally honest. You know, it wasn't his love and compassion for everyone that got him crucified. It was his brutal honesty. And so if we will listen uh, with a humble and an open heart to what Christ has to say, it might just rescue us from uh, a a wasted life, uh, might just lead us back into true joy and true contentment, might just reveal a, a deep, genuine love that we have, might reveal some priorities, and might reveal some idolatry uh, if we let Jesus and his spirit do some work, and it might just help us put God in the rightful place in our hearts that he deserves as first and foremost. Um, so as we listen, as, as, as you sit there and soak in God's word this morning, uh, I, I want to throw out just kind of a few disclaimers and a few encouragements for you. Number one, uh, just to remember that Jesus tells the truth more than anybody else that tells the truth. We need to know what Jesus says, and if he says it, it's true, and if it's true, we need it, and it's helpful, right? The truth will set you free. Um, listen with an open heart to what Jesus has to say. And that's not just for this morning. Obviously, that's good advice for any time we open the Bible or we hear Jesus to listen with an open heart. Uh, True story. I ended up in the emergency room yesterday for one of my children that had an injury to their pinky. I won't get into the details. But I just kept looking at the pinky and I thought, you know what? I should make these people pinky promise tomorrow. I'm not going to do it, but I thought about it just to get everybody to raise their pinky in the air and just to basically say something like, I am going to listen as if Jesus is speaking to me and responding accordingly. So in your heart, let's pinky promise together. And if you're ready to get going in Matthew chapter 6, say, Jesus. All right, that was pathetic. Say, Jesus, like you mean it. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus Christ, Son of God, word in flesh said this, do not, okay, remember, he's speaking not to the general masses, to Christians, to disciples that had chosen to follow him, and, and the word do not, I know I didn't make it very far before we pause, before we pause this is kind of my MO, uh, that, that verb, it's a present imperative which implies something is happening that needs to stop. It's not just kind of Jesus saying, oh, just as you're walking through life. He's talking to his disciples, and this is what, uh, what Charles Quarles uh, has to say. He says, Jesus observed that his disciples, uh, presently in that moment, were too focused on earthly treasures, and that his his prohibition called them to change their priorities. Just that simple verb means Jesus is commanding them to stop doing something that was already in progress. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No, and listen to how pointed Jesus is that something that might be able to rescue us from a wasted life. No one, no one. That, that's, a, that's an all-inclusive term. Not, not 1%, not 5%, not the slight minority. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus Christ says you cannot serve God and money. Okay? Jesus in his teaching and his ministry talks a lot about money. Why is that? Um, a handful of reasons. One, it's just normally on a lot of people's minds um, because kind of to exist, like it takes money. And so uh, there's, it takes up a big proportion of, uh, of, of the human interest and the human mind. So it's a topic Jesus needs to address because it's a, a topic that we all deal with. Uh, and it has like the, the teaching on money uh, and money itself has crazy potential in your life, and it's very good and very bad. It has some very good uh, potential and it has some very bad potential. The good way, we know this, uh, money uh, can be such a huge blessing um, to you, blessing through you to others. Um, there is a way that money can be an incredibly helpful blessing. Um, but the, the other side of that, and maybe you've, you've seen this firsthand, uh, just the single-minded pursuit of money uh, as Paul says in, in 1 Timothy 6, many, be, because of that, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. There's a lot of problems that can come by being single-minded, devoted to trying to become rich and amass a large amount of wealth and things. Um, okay, Midland. Midland, in one sense, I could say Midland has some of the most generous people, I believe, on the planet. And at the same time, we could all say, I think Midland might have some of the most idolatrous people on the planet, and we don't know who they are because just an amount of giving and a donation to a nonprofit doesn't distinguish between the two, as we well know that the, the, the difference is in, is in our heart. And so this can be a really good or really, really difficult and toxic place for a Christian to try to obey and believe what Jesus is preaching, right? I'm just, we're just going to be honest, okay? Jesus says some things that we need to hear in Midland. And people normally do not like when you talk about money. Why is that? Uh, they, they didn't like it often when Jesus talked about it. Jesus would ruffle quite a few feathers when he would talk about it. Uh, in present day, when somebody uh, begins to preach and talk about it, you think, Dad, come it. I finally got my neighbor here, and Jace is talking about money. Never see them again. Or it's like, it's baby dedication. Come on, didn't you have a sermon about dedicating uh, your children to the Lord, and why are we talking about money? And, and, and maybe there's some good reason for that, uh, that, that hesitancy or that, like maybe your, your past, is you, you, it's been taught poorly, uh, or maybe it's been, um, there, there's been some bad intentions uh, or motivations behind some of the teaching you've heard on money, uh, but, but one of the things, it truly reveals the very bottom of our hearts, 
Like, and that's why I think most of us wrestle because you, when Jesus starts talking about it, you realize he's going to get down in some places in our hearts where we have to deal with some honest truth, and that's not really comfortable, especially if it reveals some things that need to change. So Jesus says, uh, he, he talks about the idea of laying up treasures, and he only gives us two options, right? He says, do not which he's done all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Do not do this, but do do this. Do not store up for yourselves, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but do lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I want to define just what is he talking about uh, when he uses the, the term or, or the phrase lay up for yourselves. That word very basically means to keep, to store up, to gather up, to save, or to hoard. Okay, Jesus says don't gather, store, keep, hoard all these things in, uh, just in the kingdom of earth. Why? Because he said, he's going to get into a few reasons why. But I, I want to I balance this out because if you just take one text, it's easy to kind of go overboard and not let the rest of the word of God balance things out. So just as as way of trying to get a holistic understanding of this, uh, is, does Jesus believe saving money is bad? Very short answer is no. Proverbs talks a lot about being wise and storing things away and saving for the future. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Is money evil? And everybody said, no, it's not. But the love of money, which we are all prone to, is the root of all kinds of evil, the Bible would say. Uh, Is leaving an inheritance for your kids bad? No. The Bible would talk about that. It's wisdom and prudent to, uh, to, to leave an inheritance for your children. Is it bad to be wealthy? Wealthy people are never condemned in the Bible. Um, there are some very rich, holy folks that are mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, so just being wealthy and having wealth in and of itself is not bad. And is it wrong to enjoy something? Uh, when Paul's talking to Timothy uh, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, he gives some very pointed advice to rich people. And one of those things, he actually includes this phrase that God has given us all good things for us to enjoy, right? So you take all these things and you have to balance out what is Jesus saying. But he still says, don't lay up for yourselves uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Um, Jesus, basically, he's presenting this idea that we have an innate desire to invest our lives and our money into something. We have an innate desire to try and put things, uh, to lay up and to store up things somewhere. And he doesn't say that's bad. He just says we have two options. Make sure that you are really wise in the kingdom that you decide to lay up or to invest most of your things. And this is what he says. He says, because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Uh, In the first century, uh, when Jesus was living, one of the things that would be kind of a placeholder for value uh, would be garments. If somehow you could find uh, a silk garment that was from like a Babylonian robe uh, that was made out of silk and you could put a lot of money in that, keep that, that would not only hold its value, it would probably appreciate over time where that was kind of seen as a a safe place to kind of store up some of your money. Uh, But then overnight, moths could get in and just destroy the garment. That's what Jesus is saying. If you've put all of your, your money and your hope into this garment, what happens the next day when the moths have eaten it up? It's like it's just gone. It's a, it's a foolish place to put all of your hope. Or books. 
like in the, in the first century, there were not a whole lot of printing presses, right? And so if you had a handle on a book, that would be kind of a, an asset or a place to store money. And the same word that is used as a moth means worm. In the first century, there were such things as bookworms, right? And we're not talking about people that love books, right? Uh, that different terminology these days. If you're a bookworm, you like reading books. First century, if you're a bookworm, you're a worm that literally ate books. So if you invest your money, that's all fine and dandy till the bookworms come and they eat it. What, what is Jesus saying? I mean, if, if we're honest, it's, it's pretty clear. He says, if you go all in for physical things and all of your money is stored there and all of your hope is stored there, all of your identity is there, your love is there, it's just not a safe place to invest. Y'all with me? Because there's so many things that can go wrong, and what you've invested one day is just completely gone the next day, okay? Uh, a few things uh, when you start thinking about if we put our treasure in the kingdom of earth, it's not a good long-term eternal strategy. Right? If you're trying to invest literally in things that are going to have uh, an investment payoff for eternity, clothes and books and cars and houses probably aren't it. They're not, it's not an eternal perspective. Um, I think this is very true, especially if you look at Ecclesiastes, um, that if, if we look at investing our life and storing up for ourselves treasures on earth, if we're honest, those things are not nearly as satisfying as we think they're going to be. Has anybody ever experienced that? You're like, if I just get this new car... Uh, I will be so happy, and two days later, you're online looking for new cars because the new the car scent smells off. The, the new car scent like wears off so quickly, and the new wears off so quickly. You get nice clothes for Christmas, and everything's great, and then you're discontent a week later. Like it's just so like the contentment is so fleeting. If we're really honest, you can spend, if you have enough money and time, you can spend your life looking for contentment in things, but, but, but you have enough to kind of keep taking the next steps where you never get to this honest moment that like, is this a waste of time? Like, is this really giving my soul a level of joy and contentment? Or the moment it wears off, instead of true reflection, we just kind of get something else. And you can do that for a long time. You can do that till the very end of life. It's just not as satisfying as we might think. And I'll say this from personal experience. Most of the time, regrets in a human life are not tied to, I wish I would have invested more in the kingdom of earth, right? You get somebody to the end of their life most of the time. I've, in fact, like I've never heard someone regret not investing in stuff and not hoarding more possessions and wishing they would have done that more and invested in the kingdom of God and people less. And so if we take that wisdom, we, we need to, to, to think about that. God, God put in, in us, I, I think part of this has to do with the Imago Dei, the image of God that he has implanted on us and in us as human beings, um, this desire uh, to, live, to, 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 to truly invest our lives, to live this life in the fullest way possible where we fully experience what God has designed us to and we leave a lasting mark or a lasting impact on the world. Most of the time we have those things innately in us. And, and, and what Jesus so wildly does 
is he says, man, that's great. You want to experience a full life and you want to leave an incredible lasting legacy and impact, great. I'm just saying, if you want to do that, the best place for you to do that is to invest your life in the kingdom, not in this world. Because Jesus, he's, like he says, man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And if you just think about Jesus for a minute, like what, what we want to, to have a full life and to impact the world, nobody. Like nobody has done that better than Jesus. Like nobody has lived such a full life in the true sense of full. And we're talking about Jesus today. People all over planet earth are talking about Jesus today. He has impacted the world more than any human being and he had a zero net worth. He didn't even have 75 years to invest. He had 33 years. He never owned a house. He never owned a car. He never went to an Ivy League school. He didn't come from a strong political family. He didn't have any uh, connections. or t- like, like, He was able to do what we want to do aside from pursuing and collecting and amassing and hoarding things. Are you all with me? Like, Jesus just kind of breaks the mold, okay? Uh, I, I, I heard something from a friend of mine um, this week, uh, and, and she said this. Her name is Julia, and she said uh, that the only thing that Jesus puts up against in direct opposition to himself besides Satan is the love of money. Like, it's a dangerous thing. He would put that in the same category as Satan. There's only two things in the category that directly oppose Christ, okay? It's kind of this idea of being in love with possessions and Satan himself. So he says, don't, don't, don't invest your, your whole heart, your whole life in this kingdom. And he's going to say, instead, invest it in heaven. There are, I, I looked through a few different passages this week and read quite a bit, and th- this was a, a fascinating thing that I ran across. Because there, there's a lot of passages that we talked about earlier about being wise, about saving, about even leaving for an inheritance. But uh, listen to this and tuck this away in your brain. There's far more passages, and, and tell me this isn't applicable to Midland. There are far more passages that caution against hoarding too much than there are about passages that caution us to make sure that we are saving enough. So both of them are wise and like God can work out the details for each one of us. What Jesus is saying, be careful that your whole life isn't about amassing things that are going to be left here when you're gone. He says instead, seek the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom. It's a safe place to store up. Invest your life, your, your, your heart, your money into the kingdom. Uh, and, and so I want to kind of tease out for a moment, how do we do that? Uh, here, here's the question I want to pose. Because Jesus said, you just read it, where your money is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, treasure and heart. Jesus says they are always together. They, they, you can't separate them. So the question is, how do you truly know where your heart is? That's an important question. Th- that's perhaps the most important question. How do you actually truly with all honesty know where your heart is? Here's the answer. Follow your treasure. Because Jesus says they're always together. So if you want to know where your heart is, follow your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart can be also. Uh, I, I think about it like this. like your, your heart and your treasure, they're always in the same vehicle. They're always riding together. 
your heart is in the driver's seat. Like the heart is the one that, that is pushing it and drives things, but they cannot be separated. They're heading in the right, right direction. You can't say, well, my heart loves this, but my money shows something different. Nope, it never happens. They're always together. They're always in the same car. Your heart is always the one driving. Um, I, I, I hear this often. And I was cautioned this week. Like, as you talk about this, like, don't ever say, well, it's really about your heart and money doesn't matter. Okay, because that's, that's not true. Um, that would, it's trying to separate treasure and heart and, and we can't separate them because they, they always go together. And so that would be like as a parent saying, I just, I love my kids with all of my heart. I just beat them also with my hands. It's like, I'm not talking about spanking, okay. <laughs> it's a different story. It's like, no, 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 you can't say that because you can't separate your heart from your, your, your body and your actions. They're together. So you can't, oh, I love them with all of my heart. I just abuse them. No, that, that, that's impossible. And you can't say to your spouse, I love my spouse with all of my heart. I just cheat on them with my body. It's like, no, no, you cannot separate them. They are always together. So you can't say, well, you know, I, I love God with all my heart, but my treasure goes elsewhere. Nope, your treasure t tells the truth. So if you want to know truly where your heart is, follow your treasure, okay? Uh, so then the question becomes, well, how do you know then where your treasure is? And I, I, I could not improve on something I read from Keller years ago. And he said this, if you truly want to know, obviously, where your heart is, follow the treasure. But if you want to know where your treasure is, he said this, like, like, where do you effortlessly spend money? Not where do you spend money, because then they're like, like, apparently I'm in love with the government uh, and I'm in love with taxes because, like, it goes there. But it's not, it's not effortless, right? Like, where would you, and you got to be honest, okay? You pinky swore in your heart. Like, it, you don't have to answer, in fact, do not answer this out loud. But if you are honest, like, where, it's like, you don't even, there's no inhibitions for you to spend money on this, on on, on this thing, this, this, this hobby, this, the, the, this, this asset, like something just popped into your heart and that's it. That's what you need to think about. What, whatever you effortlessly, in fact, you can overspend without even thinking twice and you look back and go, oh my gosh, I spent so much on X, How, why is that? Oh, that's because that, that's where your treasure is, where your money goes effortlessly. Therefore, that's where your heart is. That's what Jesus is trying to uncover. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's partying. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's stuff. And it's a kind and a gracious thing for Jesus to get down in our hearts and mess around until he finds out those things. Because if at the bottom, if we love something else more than Jesus... It's called idolatry, and Jesus wants to root it out because it's going to cause some problems in for you, and it's going to steal some glory from him. How do you know where your treasure is? <laughs> where do you spend money effortlessly? And then Jesus talks about your eye being the lamp of the body. Basically, what he's saying uh, is, is th they knew the eye as being kind of the lens through which you could uh, take in light and see everything. And think about it as, uh, I, I think maybe... I don't, I'm putting words in Jesus' mouth, which is a 
slippery slope. Perhaps he might have used the analogy of, of glasses or uh, contacts uh, if he were preaching this in our day and age. Because what he's saying is like the prescription matters but like how you're not just viewing the world, but how you view money, the eye is the lamp of the body. And what does he say? Uh, he says if, if, if it's bad, the whole thing is off. If your eye is unhealthy, if your eye is healthy, you're full of light. He sa- this is what he's saying. We need to have a godly, Christ-like, biblical worldview where the Bible and Jesus give us the prescription by which to see money, possessions, eternity, investment, all those things. Because if we don't let the Bible tell us how to think about things, we have a fault, our eyes are messed up, and then everything else falls apart. And this is not money, this is everything to labor, to have a a biblical, Christ-centered worldview that we see the world through correct lenses. Because if you put rose-colored glasses on, what do you see? You see things a little more rosy than they actually are. If you put on glasses that have mud on them, what happens? You're like, oh, it must be springtime in Midland, even if it's clear outside. Like, like the, the, the lens matters. And so, and so Jesus is saying, like, if you want to see the world correctly, th- 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 then we need a, a, a gospel-centered lens that we see these things. We need to be informed by the word of God. That, that's what he's saying when he's talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. And then he basically gets down um, to where he, he says, I mean, pointed, you cannot serve both God and money. So he sets up two kind of kingdoms with earth and heaven, and then God and money as two rulers, two, uh, two, two leaders, two things that we potentially can serve. But he's going to ask you that you, you just pick one. You only get one. It's not like in my community group this week, uh, we started talking about our favorite candies um, this was towards the end, and I don't know why, but we just started trying to figure out what everybody's favorite candy was. And at the end, we were like, okay, you get six, right? Because everybody was having a really hard time boiling it down to the favorite candy. Okay, what are your top five candies, right? We don't get that option. It's like a spouse. You don't, you don't get that option with a spouse. Well, you know, I'd narrowed it down to five, and so I, ha- I now have five. No, if you're talking about love and devotion, you just get one, <laughs> right? Write that down. You get one spouse. He says, like, okay, if you're going to devote your life to something, and if you're going to serve someone, and if you are going to invest your life, store up somewhere, you have to choose between God and money. You cannot serve both. Which one do you love more? Which one are you asking and allowing to be your master? Which one is your mind consumed with? Which one do you make more sacrifices for? That might reveal like where we're at presently. But Jesus is somewhat giving us an option of moving forward. It's the same thing that Joshua said. Many of y'all are going to remember that story from the Old Testament. where He just presented the question, listen, you choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. Jesus said, listen, I'm just, I'm just saying... You can't serve God and money, so from this point on, you need to choose. So that leads me to kind of closing up as, as what Jesus just taught about we have 
We have a life. We want to make a difference. We have the ability to invest, to store up. Where are we going to do that? Here's a few things to consider and hopefully want to listen to and respond to what Jesus said. Number one, I want to invite you to choose. Okay? Maybe you literally did not know you had to choose. Thought, well, I can kind of serve both. I can kind of just amass as much as I can and serve um, material wealth and riches and just go all in on my life being that, or uh, I can serve Jesus. Jesus says you can't have both, and this is what happens if you try to do both. Because if you love Jesus, then money can serve us well, right? If you love Jesus, money can serve you well, but if you love money, you're going to try to get Jesus to serve you so that you can get to your ultimate goal, which is money and things and possessions. So choose. That's just that's the invitation before you, to choose which kingdom are you going to ultimately labor to invest your life in. Choose. That's your two options. Kingdom of the earth, kingdom of heaven, money, Jesus. And as you choose, like, very literally think through which one is worth you devoting everything for. Which one is the safest option for you to invest your time, your money, your life, your energy, your resources. Number two, whatever kingdom you choose, spoiler alert, I hope you choose Jesus. <laughs> like this was kind of a rhetorical question of like, oh, I don't know, half of us chose one, half of us chose the other. That's not what I'm after. Like if you put them next to each other, what Jesus is saying, it's like a no-brainer. Don't invest your life in stuff that's going to be gone. Invest your life in the kingdom. Um, if we were to get in a DeLorean with Marty McFly, um, to those who have ears to hear, let them hear. <laughs> and we were to go to the future. I don't know how far. Let's say 100 years into the future. Probably what you and I would be doing is I would be looking for stocks that just skyrocketed and did something akin to what Microsoft has done in the past few decades. And then I would come back and I would go buy that. And as I have looked at Redeemer Kids over the years, I, I think, honestly, it might be Pepperidge Farms because they're the ones that make goldfish. Like, it's just, <laughs> the demand is so high. Like, you go, you go forward to the future and if you're like, oh, wow. That investment, it's like a thousand times, a thousand X. Then you're going to go back and you're going to, I mean, you're going to liquidate everything and you're going to go all in on whatever that is, right? True story? That, that's like, so Jesus tells a parable of a hidden treasure and, and that's kind of what he says. He's like, somebody stumbled upon the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ and they went, like, as this treasure buried in a field and they realized what the investment potential was and so they went home, they sold everything, they liquidated and they went all in on this treasure. So if, like, choose. But if you choose the kingdom, whichever one that you choose Whichever one that you deem to be worthy of your life's investment, go all in on that one. That's the parable of the hidden treasure. Like, if it's worth it, then go all in. What, what does that mean? If Jesus says, store up or lay up treasure in heaven, and if we truly believe that the kingdom of Christ is, is worth it, that Jesus is our master, what does it look like to store up, to lay up treasures in heaven? A couple things to consider. Number one, first and foremost, it means to love Jesus Christ the most. 
And most of the time, I mean, that fi- like affections fix everything. Because if our affections are in the right place, then kind of the actions take care of themselves. You all with me? Like to, 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 to just think about who Jesus really is and what he has truly accomplished for us. And when those two things collide, it's kind of like, wow, he's in a league of his own. He deserves my entire life. He made everything. Colossians 1, all things were made by him, through him, and for him. And he died for my sins, rose from the dead, invited me into the family, forgave my trespasses, all of them, gave me grace, has just showered blood. Like everything, like who he is and what he has done should consistently cause us to love him, to, to, to like love Christ. That's number one. And then number two, if you love him, you can use your money, your wealth, your house, your car. If, you, if we love Jesus, then we can use things to love him and to help others. But if we love things, we'll try to use him. Okay? So love him. And as you love him, then we get to use our house to bless other people, to help discipleship happen, to be hospitable, to be a blessing. Uh, You can use a car. You can use even wealth. Like a a great amount of wealth can be used in an incredible way if we love Jesus more. And then number three, and I, I honestly think this is a continual challenge for most of us in the West that have plenty of money in the bank, we've got a savings account, we probably have some health insurance, is to continually be reminded that our hope is in Christ. Okay, Our hope and our security is not in our money. It's not in our retirement. It's not in our health care. It is never mentioned as sinful in the Bible to have wealth, but it is to hope in wealth. And they're different things. To hope. Put your, you have money, great, but don't let it ha- have you. Put your hope in Christ. Number four, use your treasure, whatever that might be, money or possession, to display that you cherish Christ the most. Use that to display that Jesus actually is the, the most deeply treasured thing that we have. And then use your treasure, your time, your energy, your money, not just to show that you cherish Christ, but to help grow and impact the kingdom. What does that look like? It looks like trying to serve others because we all have a very finite, limited resource of time. If we devote all of our time towards just amassing wealth, then we haven't used time maybe to serve in some capacities that, that were needed, uh, to, to w- invest your life and your time and your money and your energy and your resources and things that uh, serve others into things that help spread the gospel and the things that help make disciples and so if we do all those, like the net worth, is, it's a, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. Invest your life in the kingdom. I want to invite you to bow your head, to close your eyes, and to pray with me that, um, that the Holy Spirit would, would lead us into what it looks like to respond and what it looks like to truly love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to truly put our our hope and our lives invested in the kingdom. Jesus, we we love you this morning. And God, I pray that you would administer this teaching through your spirit to our hearts and each one of our situations.
God, I pray that you would remind us that it's not a simple answer just how much is in the bank, good or bad. It's a position of our hearts, but a lot of times that is revealed through our money and our possessions. So Jesus, I pray that you might overwhelm us with your glory, with your goodness and your grace and your kindness so that you become the treasure of our hearts and we go all in investing in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would pry our hands loose of things where maybe we have too tight of a grasp on them. God, I pray that you would give us a deep sense of of generosity as you've blessed us with so much. God, I pray in these next few moments that we would respond to you, Christ, that you would be honored, that you would help us, that you would answer prayers, and that you would meet us in these next few moments as we lift up your name. We love you, Jesus, and uh, all of God's people said, amen. We've got some time. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.